Hello, Guitar Smarts listeners. This is an important announcement. Please don't skip ahead. We start this podcast with a special message. Way back in 2021, Guitar Smarts had the pleasure of interviewing the utterly fantastic Matt Long. Matt is a multiple award-winning British blues guitarist and lead singer of the British blues band Catfish and hard rock outfit The Revenant Ones. He joined us for episode number 20 and was a truly gracious guest who spoke about his career, his childhood, guitars and meetings his hero, Joe Bonamassa. Well, Matt needs your help. Through 2023, Matt has been undergoing treatment for bowel cancer, and his recent prognosis has meant that to extend his life and retain a chance of survival, he needs to seek private treatment outside of the NHS. Matt's family have set up a GoFundMe page that is linked in the Guitar Smarts link tree in the description of this podcast. And we at the Guitar Smarts podcast would like to invite each and every listener to consider donating towards this fund that could well save the life of one of the brightest guitar talents of our generation. Now is the time, folks. Head on over to the link in the description to find the GoFundMe page. Donate what you can. Your donation could save a life. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, same with people like Josh Smith from JHS. Now, he started yeah. out this, exactly the same way, modding things, then coming up with his own designs, hand building them, hand shipping mm-hmm. them. And now he's got a full, you know, they're turning into proper com- It's almost like they're not boutique anymore. It's like this is now, now you're becoming a mainstream builder. And yeah. is that why boutique's dying? Is boutique's I, dying I because so. the boutique builders are growing? Greetings, welcome back to the Guitar Smarts Podcast. If you are an everyday gigging guitarist, this is the podcast for you. This week, Kieran and myself are talking about the recent closure of full-tone pedals and the apparent death of the boutique pedal marketplace. Boutique pedal makers from all over the world have been having huge success for many years, continue to do so, but with the closure of full-tone pedals, one of the originals on the market, does this indicate that the time for boutique pedals has come to an end? We discuss this and also we talk about the next three things we want to try out on our next visit to a guitar store. Housekeeping, remember to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred podcast app. Why? Because you will get alerts when a new podcast is released, and that means you won't miss another show. If you have already liked and subscribed and listened to us regularly, then use the links in the description of this show to leave us a rating or a review. This is the best way to support us, and it helps us to grow. Use those links to get to our social media pages, links to our Buy Me A Coffee page if you do feel generous, and links to some of our Spotify playlists. Come and see us on the social pages and we'll be happy to see you there, especially on the Guitar Geek Hangout page on Facebook where you can interact, Kieran and myself and lots of other fantastic musicians. That's about enough from me. Let's get to it. Start. Have we started? Are, are, are we live? I don't know. Have we started? I don't know. Let's say we started. Yeah. I'll start it here. I'm going to start it. <laughs> well, how are you keeping anyway, mate? It's good to see you. I'm really good. I'm really good. I've, uh, having listened to some of our podcasts recently, uh, I realised that we start a lot of them with me laughing or just laughing because <laughs> generally we dial in, start having a chat about something, realise we should press record and uh, we're already halfway through some, some moment. Of, of hilarity yeah. so yeah mate i'm really i'm really good thank you um the other thing is that we also we also spend a lot of time on the first few minutes of our podcast just catching up about what we've been doing during the week because we're both so busy at the moment that we haven't had a chance to oh. speak during the week so we will at some yeah. point 
start talking about guitars and, and, and all things guitar related, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I feel like we well, need like to cover to off other we... stuff first. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's where I like to think we kind of connect with our audience, right? Is Which is that we're, we're both just normal blokes that, you know, have normal day jobs, but we love playing guitar yeah. and guitar stuff and we go gig and do things mm-hmm. in our own time. And, yeah. you know, that's, that is, I'm sure most of our audience are the same. And, uh, do you think you know, so? Maybe that's, you know. Do you think people are waiting for the latest update on your, the condition of your lawn and uh, <laughs> how, how my daily is growing? Enough about the guitars, boys. Tell us how you get a car to be really sparkly clean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had oh. a I had a gig last Saturday, very last minute. So I got I got oh. a call, you know, in the week. Um, the need a need a depth guitarist for a band. The but bat I, phone. The bat phone rang. The bat exactly. The bat phone rang, and um and and I got got the call, and I, I never I didn't say yes immediately. Um, I, I said I want to see the set list first because mm. limited time to learn new songs, and if it's a whole new set of stuff that I don't know, I'm going to say no. Um, and if it's mostly stuff Good that I know, for which you, it was, buddy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 you know, I'm always honest with if I if I get a call from someone who wants me to debt for a gig, whether it's a new band or not, I always if it's last minute, I always say I'm not going to say yes or no until I know what the set list is for the night. Because yeah, if I don't have the time to learn the material, I want to tell you now that mm-hmm. it's a no, and then you've got the yep. time to move on and find somebody else rather than just say yes and yep. then not perform well because I haven't had the time to learn it. So sure, especially uh, especially if it's like one guitar and you've got to carry a lot of the uh, the kind of melody lines exactly. and stuff if it's if it's just sitting in with a with another guitar player and a keys player and they just want to go out as yeah. a full full band then you can kind of go yeah look, I know a lot of it some of it I'll be busking through but you know we'll be fine that's a totally different totally different bag to agreeing to do mm-hmm. 40 songs of which you probably can only only do like 50% of them and then the rest you've got anxiety to yeah. kind of learn yeah for sure exactly that so that's that's what I wanted to I wanted to avoid and thankfully the set was pretty easy to learn the first dance was easy to learn there was nothing really complex and a lot of stuff that I know already and and um a lot of stuff that I enjoyed playing you know so I said yes to it and um it was in it was a wedding and it was in wedding uh, gig. Like a wedding yeah. gig yeah and it was in a marquee mm. uh up in in Abingdon and the band was fantastic it was like guitar keys bass two singers and drums um you know nice and simple but nice. you know really full sounding great yeah. key Play. just everyone was on it and uh, and the other great thing was cool. um we were nice and loud on stage i haven't had that for a while i've been playing fairly quiet stages <laughs> with in-ears which i don't mind at all mm. when the mix is good um mm-hmm. but i really enjoyed at this gig getting the my head rush frfr speaker out for the helix and getting it wound up nice and loud and it was still going through the pa yeah. but you know i had that behind sure. me on stage and i had a monitor in front of me for the band so i just felt like uh, it was really nice. great just standing there all night with lots of really great, you know, sound around me and sound. You can't beat it. Yeah. And it was nice also to play with a keys player that really worked hard to get the sounds right Mm. for a lot of songs, you know, synth patches were really on it. It just, it just felt great playing in that band. So it's just, for me, it's actually that that was the last gig of the year for me. I haven't got anything else in the diary. Mm. I'm sure some other things will come up, but it was, uh, it was probably the best gig of the summer for me to finish on because it was just such a, 
a great situation, you know, in terms of sound and in terms of the songs and, you know, playing with great musicians and it was just a really enjoyable night. Yeah, so a good... A yeah, good I'm uh, pleased for you, mate. I'm pleased. I'm probably a nice little learner as well for weddings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a decent yeah. learner, uh, you know, wedding gig. So, you know, a good a good yeah. earner and unexpected as well. So, you know, that helps in these days of, uh, you know, cost of living going up. But let's not Indeed. talk about that. <laughs> Indeed. I oh, mean, it's a killer. Don't, don't, stop, don't talk about it. Thankfully, I haven't had to put the heating on yet. And yeah, long may that continue yeah. <clears throat> because, yeah, we're in the UK. We uh, we, we can't afford to, to yeah. have utilities anymore like electric and gas. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I've been going around the house this week actually putting various things on smart plugs or extensions on smart plugs and putting so I can make sure I can keep things completely turned off when they're on standby if we're not home or stuff oh, like really? that. I've got it all wow. controlled from like the Alexa app and things. So that should hopefully right. help. But yeah. But anyway, about yourself, have you been doing any gigging or? Yeah, I have, mate. Um, so we had a break in August, although bizarrely had more um, calls than I've ever had in August for doing um, last minute cancellations and stuff from venues. Um, but uh, <clears throat> as a band, we took August off, uh, so which was which was nice in some ways. Got some holiday time in with the family, went to Spain with my wife, went camping with the kids. That was all good. And then September, yeah, it's been, I had three gigs in uh, already so far, um, wow. which has been good. Uh, wedding gig uh, was nice. Uh, again, similar sounding to yours, big marquee. Um, this one was for a very uh, well-off client. So in at right. his house, at, at his estate, you know, with, with the swimming pool and the riding stables and the, the guy that was just paid, not just for the wedding, but just generally, he has a guy that just goes and picks up uh, dog excrement from around the property because he's got seven dogs. And uh, has, he I'm has, glad has he's got somebody, dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> his house can do what he wants. <laughs> yeah, well, he said he's got seven dogs and a guy to pick up all the excrement. I didn't actually see any dogs anywhere, but <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Maybe he gets caught short and is too embarrassed <laughs> to do it himself. Anyway, but yeah, no, um, phenomenal place. Um, uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful Fantastic. place, beautiful wedding. Um, and then we did... Uh, <clears throat> what long days, though, man. Long days at weddings. That was like, we got there at 12 and we left there at like one thirty in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the killer, isn't it? Yeah, that was that was full on. That was full on. But nice to spend some downtime with the band. We went to the pub after we'd set up and sound checked, and had, had a had a drink and had a bite to eat, and just kind of it's, it's a lot. It's nice being in a band with people that you get on with anyway, so you can just yeah. chill out and have a have a chat and stuff. Absolutely, so that's, that's no hardship. And then we did a birthday. Uh, what was it like? Uh, no, it was a wedding anniversary, big wedding anniversary last weekend. But that was like a um, that was like a wedding. It was all kitted out like a wedding and, you know, big, big room, couple of hundred people and mm-hmm. um, full on dance floor and stuff. So it's been nice to have a break from doing the pubs and stuff. But pub, pubs are pubs are easy. Pubs are n- yeah. not no stress. Turn up in your jeans and, and a T-shirt, whatever. Mm-hmm. But this, you know, weddings, we get fully dressed up, fully kitted out. They're really long days, as, as was this private party. But I kind of like it because everyone else is dressed up. It, you know, everyone's glamorous, everyone's in the mood for partying. So I quite like that. 
But from a sound perspective, because these are bigger venues, exactly to your point, it was nice to just dial the amp up a bit and really get some some of that, you know, pushing <laughs> pushing it. it to pushing the sound off of it and yeah. just playing that little bit louder because you've got a much bigger space to fill than 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 a little pub. Yeah. You know, big marquees, yeah. big big kind of like dance halls and stuff like that. The 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 blues deluxe gets notched up to like three or four rather than its normal two. And it just yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it likes it. It likes it. It's a, it's a happy place for it to be. Three or four. Wow. I know. I'm one of those. But, yeah. <laughs> 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 Having said that, because of the taper that they put on the pot, basically all of the vo- all of the volume is available between zero and five. That's and right. Even though it goes up to <laughs> ten, there's, there's nothing it's more. It's the five. linear pots, aren't they? But audio is uh, yeah. is a, like an exponential yeah. taper, isn't it? So exactly. Like that. exactly. Decibels are. So yeah, gigging has been good, and thanks to your advice on the last episode, even though it's, I've been a bit, little bit kind of anxious. Yeah, um, the Les Paul has been the main instrument mm-hmm. for for the last couple of gigs. I'm really enjoying the fullness of that sound, with it being the only guitar in the band. Um, uh, I've, I'm using uh, both of the Tok eyes now. Mm-hmm. So the Gold Top had its first outing at, at last weekend. Yeah, I saw and then, your picture online. Excellent. Yeah, That's such a nice oh, guitar. Oh, mate, it was a dream to play. Different sounding, different pickups in it, and and you know, even though it's an identical model guitar, I've done different wiring on, inside it mm-hmm. and um, different different tone capacitors, different pickups. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's definitely got more of a growl and does mm. the the heavy rock sounds justice. Yeah. Um, whereas, whereas the other, the other one's got fifty nine. It's got the what do the Seymour Duncan call it? The so my tobacco burst one has got the Seymour Duncan hot rodded. Is it or something? That's it. Yeah, yeah it's the hot. It's, it's what they call the hot rodded humbucker set, which apparently, allegedly, is the number one selling matched kind of set of humbuckers from Seymour Duncan. Okay. And it's a J. It's a Jeff Beck mm. in the bridge. And it's a 59 jazz, mm. I want to say, in the bridge. So like very different pickups tonally, but output wise, quite nicely. You can balance okay. them. But between the two of them, you've got a huge variety right. Right. of uh, like the, the, the neck pickup is a really kind of creamy, jazzy pickup. That, right. that, that does does hard rock stuff quite nicely, but it's got this beautiful creaminess. Whereas the, the Jeff Beck is a... Yeah, does woman tone yeah. Nicely, but the Jeff Beck is just a full-on, like aggressive, nasty, yeah, in a good way, in a yeah. good way, uh, <laughs> bridge pickup. So anyway, so isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, here's a quick technical question while you're talking about pickups before we move on. But um, um, am I right in saying that that kind of you're really meant to have like a in your neck pickup, you should have a slightly lower output pickup mm. than your bridge, or is it the other way around? Yeah, is that right? Is it because the string vibrates with with higher amplitude around the neck? than it does around the bridge indeed so indeed you, is does. that right yeah okay. yeah awesome. yeah it, it, exactly exactly but there is no right and wrong and it's all experimentation mm. and sometimes it can surprise you and you know this is the beauty of where it's it's can become subjective and down to personal preference but yes mm. if you normally buy a set of pickups that are so that was a bad example the hot rock hot rodded humbucker set from seymour duncan it's not a bad example of a set of pickups but it's a bad example because they are two different pickups whereas if you bought like I don't know let's say for example the Slash um, mm. Seymour Duncan set right they are both for all intents and purposes the, the same
same pickup, but they have but the neck pickup has got a slightly lower output than the than the bridge pickup because of the way in which they do the windings, etc. Because mm-hmm. you want you mm-hmm. want the bridge pickup to be a little bit gnarlier and, mm-hmm. and have a little bit more bite to it uh, yeah. versus the, the the neck pickup, and it's also to do with how the string reverberates it. around it and the pickup height and stuff. But for all intents and purposes, the composition and the magnet type Alnico two in that instance and the wooden spacer in those pickups and the potting mm. it's all the same it's all the same right it's just they've they've done the windings slightly differently but mm. you know it is all subjective you can you can mix and match and that's the beauty of it you can put an alnico 5 in the neck and an alnico 2 in the bridge and have different yeah. outputs and depending on what else you've got going on in the electronics and the interplay of it it can all just be like irrelevant mm. nonsense but yeah something to play with and have fun with and it see. is something to play with isn't it i'm thinking of a chain because i just I, I kind of since i've got these extra guitars this year i i, I think i think i said on a previous podcast i want to at some point give my les paul my phone les paul a bit mm. of much needed tlc yeah. um whether that's in the form of a fret dress mm-hmm. uh, and a level or even a refret because it's 20 yeah. years old now and it has been yeah. played a lot it's probably a, a refret it may be a refret would do mm. some good um but i was also thinking it definitely needs new electrics yeah in there because the last time i tried changing the electrics i was trying to put some kind of fancy switch in to bypass everything and kind of have this straight to the jack out and it, it right. kind of made a mess of it inside um so i'm going to rewire it and then i thought i'm probably going to get new pickups as well yeah. i actually really like the idea of having open coil pickups in it you know like like you've got like without mm-hmm. the actual covers mm-hmm. i'm trying to decide whether to go for like a zebra pickup or just black or even just mm-hmm. like just like white bobbins in the pickups and yeah. actually just change the look of it a little bit rather than yeah. trying and keep it uh, too original uh, but that's something I want to get around to in the next year or so give, yeah. it, give it a refret and then I'm going to rewire it um, with a proper decent kit you know CTS ports no. um, switch craft switch and everything and all the proper stuff decent wiring in there get rid of all the rubbish that's in there at the moment mm. and then maybe put some iron gear you know blues PAFs in there or something like that I don't know yeah very good pickup. I've got to- um, the blues engine that they do that's a nice the pickup. Yeah, I've got yeah. one of those in one of my Epiphones in a in a zebra format, mm-hmm. which I like. I love. I love. I just love the look of open core humbuckers. I just, I just yeah, like they do look really cool. And part yeah, of that yeah. was seeing that picture of your Tokai <laughs> gold top <laughs> with the black open coils. Oh. It looks really, really good. It does. It really does look good on the gold. Uh, it on does. Les Paul, doesn't yeah. it? It, it, yeah. it? I think so. I think so. Um, yeah. I, I mean, looking at your Epiphone, I can see behind you. It's got that beautiful yeah. kind of. Uh, light kind of burst going on to almost like a honey kind of but, but it, that's the name it was a is honey it? burst is what everyone called it at the time nice and actually that, do you know what I've, that's a really uh, I think correct me if I'm wrong you might know more but I think my Epiphone is from a relatively sought after time it was about two, it's an early 2000s 2003 and it's from yeah. the Korean factory that they had at the yeah, time and I think that's something that people did. Samsung yeah. factory yeah. yeah I think that is quite sought after for some Epiphone collectors as, you know, Korean early two yeah. thousands um, Les yeah. Pauls, yeah. and and to be fair, that Les Paul is fantastic. I do love playing that. It's yeah. not too dark in terms of its sound. It's got actually quite a bright. Mm. I can get a really decent kind of out of phase Strat sound in the middle position with the yeah. front pickoff rolled off slightly. You know, it's actually quite versatile for a Les Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah love it. Well, the, um, the well, no, you're right. I mean, it is again. Look, it's subjective stuff, right? And it's all um, mm. individual to 
each guitar and some some were good and some were bad but um the the modern day equivalent or parallel i i I can think of is like the stuff we're seeing coming out of indonesia now right in terms of Mm -hmm. guitar manufacture where you go wow these indonesian guitars are really built really nicely well that was um the same back in i think it was probably from the early 90s all the way through to the early noughties korea was mm-hmm. was the the place if you were buying a far eastern guitar career was 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 the place to to get a nice guitar sure there were guitars coming out of china but back in those days there weren't mm-hmm. the volume of guitars coming out of china in the same way and the quality of what was coming out of china is 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 nothing like it is today i mean now some of the yeah. stuff coming out of china is is frankly phenomenal um yeah. but but i <clears throat> but i feel the indonesian guitars sit at that little bit step above the Chinese stuff still. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. depending on the model and the manufacturer and the specs yeah. of it, but generally speaking, I find the quality of stuff that's coming out of Indonesia is amazing. Mm-hmm. Not quite, again, where you with the level of stuff that's coming out of Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, J- Japanese guitar manufacturer is still absolutely phenomenal. I mean, some of the stuff, the high-end stuff coming mm-hmm. out of Japan is arguably better than the stuff that's coming out of America. But, you know... Yeah, um, I just kind of picture this kind of like master craftsman, you know, that you think of kind of like, you know, those guys that spend their lives learning how to make samurai swords. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those, those sen, you know, senseis. I can just imagine like yeah. some guy in robes making a guitar, just carving it yeah. out of one big piece of wood. And it's just, yeah. <laughs> that's what I think of when I think, it's, I don't know whether that's some kind of terrible cultural appropriation or something, but that's what I think of when I think of like amazing Japanese guitars. I can't help but think of just this, you know, somebody who's just got this incredible love for building something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's well, that's how the Japanese, uh, I work for a Japanese company, so I feel like yeah. I, can, I can, does that justify what I'm about to say? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I get exposed to Japanese culture a lot. I've worked for a Japanese company for the last 13 years of my life, right? So, yeah. But there is this fastidious, like, respect and, um, like, dedication to doing Doing something properly right and and i love that yeah. i love I, yeah. I love that and you know i yeah i mean i've watched a lot of the the guitar manufacturing videos out of japan and seen some of the like the fujigen factories and stuff like that and they they are for all intents and purposes modern super high-tech factories but where you've got these guys that are doing a lot of stuff by hand still and hand finishing mm. it but i like your idea better like this almost kind of like mountain scene from kill bill where like there's this guy <laughs> just it. like like heating up fret wire over like a like a coal charcoal yeah. like stove and smelting it like he was making a samurai sword, but he's just really mm. making this high grade Japanese stainless steel fret wire like, for, for <laughs> days exactly at a time, it. days at a time. Yeah, with the bamboo like in the in the background, like uh, stopping for a little bowl of sushi and <laughs> carrying on while the while the while the cool mountain stream trickles down <laughs> and the blossom uh. cherry blossom trees like. You you know, yeah, yeah, I'd like, yeah, I'd, I'd buy a guitar off him. <laughs> yeah, but but to buy a guitar of him, you have to go through a certain number of trials first. You, you, have, to, you, you do know, have to climb, climb the steps. Yeah, climb the steps. Climb the steps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for no reason whatsoever, just like keep repeatedly hitting a concrete block with your hands until That's your hands it. bleed. But yeah, and then he That's just comes it. and looks at you and sneers every few minutes and then yeah. walks off again. You have to you have to <laughs> prove yourself worthy of the instrument. A bit like John Mayer's tattoos. You know, John John Mayer's got that sleeve of Japanese tattoos. <laughs> 
<laughs> is that where he got them? That's actually yeah. So the story is that he got them tapped in properly by a Japanese like um, traditional wow. tattoo artist. Yeah. So the design wow. isn't his or anything on his left arm, but he's that, apparently oh. he had to go and fly there three or four times to be interviewed Seriously? by this guy and the guy to decide whether he wanted him as a customer. Wow. And when he said yes, then he went and the guy did the design, worked out what it should be, and then it's tapped in by hand. So it's not. He said it wasn't tattooed no. by you know an actual tattoo artist with a you know a, a gun or whatever it yeah. is that they use it was it's like a needle and everything's individually tapped in and apparently he said he got it, like, he was hallucinating when it was being done because it's because the pain is so intense while wow. it's being done but but yeah so that <laughs> don't know how I know that's that. A, I think that was in a magazine something you know years that? ago. But, uh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, what a great fact. Like, I've literally just taken the scene out of Kill Bill where Uma Thurman's, <laughs> like, training in the mountains, but now instead it's John Mayer with that guy having his, like, tattoo tapped in and, like, tripping yeah. out while he's doing it. That's it. But then, like, coming up with great ideas for, like, platinum albums. Amazing. Yeah. They should make that film. I'd watch it. Yeah, you would. <laughs> <laughs> should we move on? <laughs> Probably better had, really. Yeah. I think if any of our Japanese listeners, uh, yeah, <laughs> nothing but love and respect. Amazing. Do you know what? That is one place on my like, bucket oh, list that I, I love really, I love. I mean, I, having worked for a Japanese company for this many years and still not not been out to Japan, <clears throat> yeah. uh, COVID, COVID and stuff got in the way. But um, yeah, man, I yeah, can't can't wait to go there. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Do you know what? I, mm. Just just before we move on, if you, I, I don't know if you've seen it, if you've got Amazon Prime Video, but I do. James May did a thing. He did, he did yes. uh, Our Man in Japan, the series. It's I don't great. know if you've seen that. It's fantastic, have, isn't it? Oh, it's That's brilliant. My... Do you know what? <laughs> I watched that while I was sick with COVID. Really? Uh, yeah, because it's one of those things where I was quarantining in a room by myself and I thought, I'm going to watch something that I can only watch without my wife. Uh, she loves <laughs> Japanese culture and she reads a lot of Japanese uh, kind of historical fiction books, um, yeah. like memoirs of a geisha and all that kind of stuff she's really into, but she reads loads of, loads of stuff like that. But she just doesn't doesn't really like James May. So I was just oh, like, oh, yeah. I, can, I can sit and while I'm locked in a room for like 10 days, like, isolating go. from the family, I'm going to watch this it was brilliant <laughs> it's fantastic it's fantastic i like james may i think he's a good presenter yeah, but too. also it, it's a brilliant world it's a brilliant view into japanese culture mm-hmm. uh, i thought it was mm-hmm. very good um yeah but anyway sorry to interrupt this conversation however if you've made it this far you should definitely subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app go and do that now then come right back welcome back right kieran <laughs> What are we talking about today? Good to shoot the breeze, but what are we talking about today? I think we're talking about a couple of things today. Mm, Um, We were going to talk about, um, because we haven't been to a guitar shop for a while, certainly not together, and we need to do that, but what are the three things that we want to try out? When we go to a music shop next, what three things do we want to try that we haven't tried yet? But there's something else that I think we should talk about that's been in the news recently, which is this talk about the death of boutique, or boutique, as some people in the world seem to say, <laughs> of, uh, boutique pedals and is is boutique yeah. over in the guitar world right is you know that's is that something now that's dying away is 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 is, is, it, is it are we going back to you know people looking at the, mm-hmm. the big companies and the big manufacturers as the superlative instrument builders in in the industry you know what what's happening to this boutique
boutique world. Um, and I think, I think this story has been stemmed from the fact that uh, Full Tone Pedals decided to mm-hmm. well, effectively close. I mean, um, I don't know how how true that is. From what from what I understand, reading reading it, what Mike Full has actually done is he's downsized his operation, selling right. the Beast Factory, um, and moving to a much smaller model. So whether that means that he's just going to produce one or two things, or just going to a different area of the industry under that name, I don't know. But effectively, mm-hmm. he should down his factory of uh, pedals and he's been around for a long time one of the original boutique pedal makers you know I mean everyone's seen full tone pedals they make the OCD the OCD, exactly, the OCD is, is like a household name for guitar exactly pedal. that's it yeah. one of the best one of the best drive pedals you can get the OCD and they've also done like the um, full drive which was an amazing <clears throat> kind of like a variation on the tube screamer with I think a, a, you know an included boost they did the Clyde Wah which is a fantastic wah pedal based on the original Clyde McCoy wah pedal. Mm-hmm. Um, just an, an incredible um, boutique guitar builder, a guitar pedal builder that's been around for a long time. And what are your thoughts on this, Kieran? Because I'm I, I, I'm kind of on the fence, really, because I've never really been that enamoured with, you know me, I like a cheap thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, me too. Me too. I, I love how you can, <laughs> you can spend little money and still get in the ballpark. I've, that's the way I've always thought, you know. Um, but what are your thoughts on this? Is it... Did, what what do you think is the reason for for this event well, and this change? Well, it's sad. It, it is. It mm. is, of course, sad. And I, you know, the price point of things like the OCD and stuff, I wouldn't even necessarily say is boutique. Like there's yeah. there's a level of boutique stuff coming out now, and which you just go, well, that's just eye wateringly ridiculous, frankly, for for yeah. what is a circuit board, albeit hand wired and 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 a metal casing and and, and, a, and a few resistors and capacitors it's 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 crazy but Mm -hmm. so i don't think the i don't think a lot of what full tone produces is beyond the realms of you know affordable um but it's 30 years right they've been at that place in in california that's a long Mm -hmm. time headed up by by the same guy and you know everyone has a point where they want to do something different and Mm -hmm. and change and 30 years is you know dedicating a lifetime to to doing that so maybe that's part of it but his his reasoning is 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 that he and this is apparently a quote uh, from guitar.com is that he doesn't want to start pumping his personal money into a business that no longer turns a profit um and he's cited as saying the current climate in the US and everything that's happening the economy mm. etc has made it impossible for him to have a sustainable profitable business which mm. you go wow well that's a global that's a global brand for guitar players um yeah and it's hard to believe that in in a western world in, in, a, in a western country sorry not in a western world in, a, in that his company can't can't make a profit it's not like it's a startup right it's been going 30 yeah. years so so it's sad my thoughts are it's is it sad <clears throat> Does this represent the thin end of a wedge? Is is the interesting thought behind it, isn't it? Which is, mm. um, you know, based on the current economic climate everywhere and the pressures on people and manufacturing costs and increased cost of living and things. You know, we see other industries and other uh, and other sectors where people are going out of business, right? Yeah. Frequently, there's no reason to think why um, companies like this couldn't couldn't be affected. So it's it's worrying because you don't you never like to see see these brands. 
brands go. Um, I mean, so there's there's yeah. that on one hand, what's going on in the world today and what it takes to run a successful, profitable business. And is that sustainable? And the other element is fashion, you know, mm-hmm. and, and trends and what people are buying, right? 2019 and 2020, when the world went into lockdown and experienced COVID, interestingly enough, there were some industries that thrived during that healthcare sector being being one of them mm-hmm. but often cited uh, is actually the music industry in terms of musical instrument retailers particularly mm-hmm. guitars some of the mm-hmm. highest sales ever recorded people were at home they decided to buy guitars they started started playing they started buying more gear because you know the the situation presented itself where that was something that people had time to do and so guitar sales and things were pretty healthy over the last few years mm. so then somebody like a boutique pedal maker or a pedal maker in this instance being being t- you know forced to shut is that indicative then of something that we're seeing with the success and quality of uh less expensive alternatives the, the clone pedals are rife i i play one on a on a weekly basis you yeah. Know? yeah um every company seems to have a version and the full tone acd is no mm. no exception right how many people have done a clone of the ocd you know yeah. loads loads of yeah. people have right uh, yeah. and then you look at uh the other spectrum of things which is you know modeling as well yeah um the quality of what's coming out with helix stuff line six stuff like all the you know just reading that headrush have brought out their own modeling piece of kit as well this, this week as well so you know there's mm. there's that is is that change are trends changing you know how many times have we yeah. said on the show in in recent times that a lot of pro session guys now yourself included are moving over to less complex uh simpler modeling based rigs where you can mm. get your your rig in a rucksack and 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 make one trick yeah so it's a lot there's a lot there to unpick but um yeah, in, in, interesting, interesting times ahead. For, for Very interesting times ahead. And, you know, I think, um, you know, the, the boutique industry or the boutique pedal industry grew out of a unique situation, or at least not, maybe not a unique situation, but, uh, you know, a very specific time where guitar, you know, there was a thirst from guitarists to want, you know, new effects mm. pedals or thing. You mm. know, back in the early 80s, maybe, or the late 70s, you could pick up a Tube Screamer or something like that, or, you know, a Boss SD1, maybe one wanted something that sounded slightly different and you couldn't get that. You couldn't go to a music yeah. store and try out endless variations of tube screamers or endless variations of, you know, of, of boost pedals or whatever it is, like you can now. Sure. It is a saturated sure. market now. Whereas there was a certain endless. few people back in the 90s or whatever, mm-hmm. whether that was Robert Keeley or George Tripps and um, yeah. you know, Mike Mike Pereira, is it? The Analog Man guy? I can't uh-huh. remember his uh-huh. name. Yeah. Um, was it Mike... Sorry, trying to remember, isn't it? Mike Pierre, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, those are guys who went and and started modifying pedals for people. Um, yes, and and they they were then getting getting kind of um, renowned for creating these variations and improvements on pedals, where they do things like you know adjust the noise floor to make a pedal quieter or change yeah. an EQ curve by by just swapping out a couple of components, and that's where the boutique industry grew from. Then these guys started mm. taking these designs and going, well, instead. Of just modifying this, I can actually come up with my own similar design based off the same basic thing. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and and create my own pedal and start seeing if I can manufacturing that and they'd start screen printing their own boxes. And, yes. You know, selling a yeah. hundred pedals at a time and yeah. then get a name for them. And because they were almost like underground, you know, handmade, yeah. they'd yeah. sell well and they'd become, no, you know, like the clone. They'd you become know, legendary. Be, yeah. They'd become legendary, exactly. So yeah. I guess that it, it grew out <laughs> of this requirement to have those pedals and the market wasn't saturated. And now some of those guys, like Robert Keeley, um, yeah. has, you know, a mass, you know, um, production facility pretty much who makes hundreds of pedals at a time. It's still relatively yeah. boutique, but it's not the mm. same. You know, he employs people. He's not doing everything himself. He's got, uh-huh. you know, proper things being manufactured. Uh, same with people like Josh Smith from JHS. Now, he started yeah. out this exactly the same way, modding things, then coming up with his own designs, hand building them, hand shipping mm-hmm. them. And now he's got a full, you know, they're turning into proper company. It's almost like they're not boutique anymore. It's like this is now, now you're becoming a mainstream builder. And yeah. is that why boutique's dying? Is boutique's I, dying I because so. the boutique builders are growing? Into I said, there's, this, there's this thing. I think, like in most things in life, without us getting too philosophical, it's the middle part of things that are going to get squeezed, right? Mm. To the point of frustration because the budget end of the market, and we've said this on the show repeatedly, has never looked healthier. What yeah. you can get, the quality of what you can get, gigable, really nicely made, sounds great stuff for 20, 30 bucks, it will stagger you. Like yeah. it's it's insane, right? So the budget part of stuff that's being made out in the Far East in China has never been better. What mm-hmm. a great time to be alive, right? Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think there is still, and we've spoken about this when we've talked about Gibson Custom Shops and the Murphy Line stuff and all mm-hmm. of that kind of crazy nonsense that's inaffordable for, for the likes of you and I, right? But there is a market for that place, right? And for some people who want to have like the original circuit board that Jeff Beck used in his fuzz pedal in this like live mm. concert, you know, this boutique pedal builder is still there building them with the same kind of electronics mm. that were used back in the day because they've sourced new, new original old stock of the same components yeah. and they're going to charge you two grand, yeah. two and a half grand for this pedal. But because you're do, keeping volume small, but charging huge prices and you've got this legacy and this pedigree and this perceived quality mm. that people are happy to pay for because there are there is a portion of the market that's happy to pay for then your business becomes sustainable in that way because it's low volume high high profit yeah high cost so those yeah. super high-end boutique people might have found found like a resurgence because there's yeah. always the geek there's always the geeks and the rich geeks and the bankers yeah. that will uh, so well, I, I think I, yeah, Chase no, Bliss are a great example of that aren't they right Chase Bliss right. so that like you yeah. see on you look at Joey Landra's pedal board now you uh-huh. know the, the, uh, from the latest that you know that pedal show he's yeah. got about six thousand pounds worth of Chase Bliss pedals on his board you know he's pretty <laughs> much got the whole thing and they are amazing pedals they're doing I'm sure they are unbelievably uh, unique things like one of the disc drive pedals that they do is it's got all these faders yeah. on it and you <clears> can <throat> fade in different drive designs and you can recall presets and the faders move automatically it just looks like a cool old mini analog yeah. desk but that's about eight hundred pounds yeah. for that one drive right. pedal you know wow I, 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 that's BT I that's proper high end BT I bought my Helix LT for less than mm-hmm. that and I, yeah. and I could have yeah. multiple pedal boards designed on it and I think yeah. you know so you're right I think if you're if you're a, if you've got something very unique and you can yeah. create it you know value if you can make it you know a, appeal to people to such a degree that they're willing to pay mm. what you're mm. charging for it then you've got like you say a low volume high margin sustainable yeah. business 
business model that really works. For sure. And, um, yeah. and how many boutique builders that have grown up doing tube streamer clones and fuzz face clones are really going to last in that marketplace anymore? They're not going to have well, like, exactly. the things to offer. The only, you know, I think the only person who's still around making money in that way is Analog Man because mm. the buzz around his pedals and the fact that there's a two year waiting list for anything that he makes because he still makes everything himself by hand in his yeah. attic yeah. means that people are like, ooh, furry dust, you know, snake yeah. oil. <laughs> yeah, I've been <laughs> looking at a pedal myself this this week. Yeah. Um, that I um, I'm not going to mention it yet. That's really selfish of me, isn't it? Um, but because <laughs> it's by a UK guitar build, uh, pedal builder, yeah. Uh, and I read an article about it, and it and it's a pedal that really intrigues me, and I'm like, oh, I'd like one of those. But like, it's completely transformed this guy's business. He made this pedal, and then like, it's taken off. It's gone viral. There's people selling it for like ten times as much on eBay, and he's still selling this pedal for ninety nine quid, right? And but now he's got like a like months waiting list months and wow. months waiting list where you literally have to sign up to get one and then he'll make one for you and it's just like i'm like i i, I haven't even heard it and i want it so i'm <laughs> gonna put my name down on the waiting list for it go. and then I'll, and then i'll get oh, it the and then, yeah you know that's the hype right Ooh. but he sounds it sounds really cool and, and once that pedal arrives yeah. then i'll tell, tell everyone about it because i want to do a proper review without like blowing up this guy's waiting yeah. list already and i can't i can't tell you what the pedal sounds like because i haven't heard it yet but when i do get it and if i if i'm impressed by mm. it then I'll we'll even try and get him on the show because I think he's got a great great story to tell in this environment Um, and so that's someone who's doing something that is uh, low volume moderately priced in massively high demand but he's like in the infancy of his like kind of boutique pedal Mm. building but um, I had a really interesting conversation with somebody that I was going to keep as a surprise but I'm going to do a little teaser and I'm not going (laughs) to tell you all of it because they're going to be a guest on the show soon you're a nightmare for this kind of I know I know but I've got to add in a little bit of suspense somewhere yeah, otherwise uh um so i when i was at my in-laws uh and i'd <clears throat> uh i was spending a couple of days there and i thought right i need something to entertain myself for for a bit and i thought i want to i've never been on guitar safari around where where they live Mm-mm. um i mean they live relatively close to brighton in the uk yeah. and of course you've got a guitar amp keyboard there so but you know it's still still a, still about an hour's drive into brighton mm. i just thought i wonder if there's any music stores where like in their local town and village where I can just go and like mooch around for a bit and get some strings and just potter around and then it turned out there was a couple of couple of guitar stores in in in, within a kind of five mile radius and I thought oh okay cool one of them just turned out to be like a kind of thrift store like secondhand guitar store that also did some other random bits and pieces and there was you know it was fine 59 Les Paul just hanging there that's a dream isn't it (laughs) well they did to be fair they did have a really nice looking 1979 Fender strap yeah. which um kind of caught my eye because that was my year of birth i was like oh i'm quite tempted but it's still you know no but then they had this other guitar short store which is a proper proper guitar store decent size and but it had been rebranded and i was just like oh what's going on so i went inside and spoke to the to the new owner mm. he told me his name and uh well <clears throat> i was there for quite a while and we ended up getting chatting and he is one of the most fascinating people i've ever spoken to in my life wow and 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 he is a boutique pedal builder. Oh, okay. uh, and he is going to have a hell of a lot to contribute to this conversation. So, wow, okay. um, I spoke to him about the podcast, uh, and um, he's invited us to, to down there to to do an episode with him. And amazing. I can't wait to put you and him in the same room together, mate. Because <laughs> like between the two of you, 
your level of knowledge and like just <laughs> but but something something interesting has happened because he has moved his flagship store which has been in central london for a number of years i mean a long time and he's moved out of london to to do something different with boutique pedal building and a boutique pedal store outside wow. of london and that's all i'm going to say for now okay uh i will because, tell you is this a result of denmark street being redeveloped or something mm-hmm. like it is mm-hmm. oh interesting mm-hmm. well, let's leave it there for okay. now as a teaser as a teaser for our audience <laughs> okay. but um let's put a bookmark in this conversation yeah because we should there, I, I think we're at a point where we we could get somebody on the show yeah who's like a who's a legend in this industry um who mm. could who could speak um very uh wisely on on this topic and uh <clears throat> yeah i'll tell you uh later today um mm. and then i'll we'll, we can announce it to our listening audience in the near future but that's that's going to be one hell of a show that sounds fantastic let's get that arranged and uh, i'm excited excited already yeah well let's go let's move on to our next subject shall we all right go on which then. is the three things right so so before we wrap up I, I you know i'm i'm eager to get to a guitar store so maybe that's the one we go to but um you know i've i've missed going into guitar shops and you know mm. just picking something up off the wall or whatever and just going you know what i haven't heard that yet i'd like to try that i'm not necessarily yeah. hearing to to get something but um i used to love going into guitar shops when i was younger and just going can i try that out and you yeah. know and just having a go at something and then you know putting it back after a few minutes but let's say we're walking into a guitar shop tomorrow Kieran um uh, what what three things are you looking what would what three things would you want to be trying out now what three things on the marketplace have you not played with but you're intrigued by that you really want to have a go at okay <clears throat> I made a list because I've been thinking about this as well <laughs> because did. yeah man because there's some stuff that's really exciting me at the moment so in no particular order right here's the things that are kind of exciting me about that that I could see myself if if I try it and I like it, I would probably buy it. So I've had my eye on this PRS SE for a little while now. The one mm. with the 2408 configuration, which is where you've got the 24 frets, but you've got the eight different uh, pickup combinations, all, yeah. all kind of nicely switchable, right? It's um, I think it's a really cool circuit that PRS have got. And they do an SE version, um, this kind of emeraldy green color, Verde it's called, um, Arisa Verde or something but it's um it's a really nice guitar but prs have just brought out this year um a couple of months ago a new se um which is the se standard which is again slightly less expensive um with that 2408 configuration on it and then they're going for like five six hundred quid so you know not not too much crazy money and mm-hmm. i think the one i was looking at was um like a special edition one and that was like eight nine hundred bucks arguably worth it based on the top that was on it. it looked phenomenal this has got less flame on it less less bells and whistles but again just a really good prs for for mm-hmm. not a lot of money but with the pickup configuration and the switching that i quite like so yeah i want to go and try one of those see if it's any good mm-hmm. and if mm-hmm. and if not then then get the get the the verde uh se yeah so that's one because i remember that's you one. choosing that guitar i think in the previous episode for something i can't remember what it was i but, did um, didn't i can't remember yeah um still got i've got a hankering for a prs still <laughs> So have I, actually. I'd love a yeah. proper PRS, a proper US PRS, yeah. you know, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's an expensive investment, maybe one day, but yeah, beautiful maybe, instruments. Maybe. 
Silver Sky. Still need to get one of those demos. Still need demo. to try one of those, don't we? Mm. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What's next? Oh, for me. So, so I've made a list as well. But first thing on my list that I want to try out. Um, I, I really want to try a Strandberg guitar. Oh yeah, the, 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 they're the re- they're like the headless ones headless, with the really big, slightly like yeah. multi scale neck. So you know you've yeah. got that fan fret yeah. thing happening. Um, unique multi scale though. You saw you often see multi scale guitars with the fan the frets kind of fanning out mm. from both the nut and the bridge, and they're yeah. only really kind of straight in the middle. Whereas on a Strandberg, they're straight from the nut and then they fan mm-hmm. out as they go down. So it's slightly different. That's it. But every time I see someone on social media and and, um, you know, Rebea, the guitarist, you know, Rebea Fro, you know, the guy who sometimes does some Anderson stuff, yeah, yeah, you know, the yeah, guy yeah. the Afro, yeah. um, he's just got a Strandberg and he's, he's he was posting on social media recently about how astonishingly good they are to play. Okay. And they've got a unique neck design as well. You know, they don't have a rounded neck. It's actually almost like a hexagonal cutout. So, you know, it's the, the, it's yes. got a flat section. Yes. It's like three flat sides yeah. on the neck that are slightly rounded between. And uh, and from what I hear, it's, it's, it's just an amazing playing experience experience play never played one not particularly attracted to them from a design point of view because they look very they're all very odd shaped you know they've got particular Mm -hmm, cutouts mm -hmm, it's the mm -hmm. strandberg design they're not necessarily ugly but to me they're not particularly attractive but i really want to just sit down with one and play one and just experience what it's like to play some a guitar with a such a unique design So that's interesting to know where we could go to go and try one of those because um, guitar, I remember guitar. you, they have them there, yeah? Guitar Guitar okay. got a full range of them. And actually, you know, not okay. that we're sponsored by them, but they've got a sale on, on Strandberg guitars at the moment and not percent finance oh, right. across the whole range. So good place to look for them. I remember you um, talking about them in a previous episode with regards to innovation, people that are doing something different that's with right. guitars. That's right. It was our vintage yeah. versus modern episode, you know, a few that's months it. back. And I, yeah, I mentioned them because I thought like, like, like I do now and, did then yeah. um, uh, you know the guitar industry is, is I think we are one of the faults of the guitar industry is it doesn't reward or credit innovation enough mm. it seems to reward mm. and credit mm. credit people that stick to tradition and do things <laughs> this is exactly like a 59 strat you know it's a veneer board mm. instead of a slab board mm. it's brilliant 10 mm. out of 10 mm. guitarist gold award you know and yeah, then yeah, yeah. something like a Strandberg comes along where they've tried to rewrite the experience of playing a guitar and why the hell not because because, um, yep. you know, that's how progression happens. And I still love vintage stuff, but also I'm intrigued by modern things like this. I always mm. have been. Uh, mm. That's why I'd love to try it out. Um, but yeah, that's the first thing on my list. That's cool. Next that's thing cool. on my list is probably predictable, but I want to try out a Boss Katana. I've never played to a Boss Katana amp. And obviously over the last few years, they've just stormed the amp market. They've they've gone mm. from being, you know, the, the Fender Deluxe amp has gone from being the best-selling guitar amp over the last 10, 15 years. And in the matter of a few years, the boss katana has overtaken it um yeah 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 and, and, and you know everyone that plays it and has one just says how standing an amplifier it is that's that's a, on my list as well haven't they just those. brought haven't they released like the mark two three version i can't remember I mark two is out mark yeah. yeah i don't think that's necessarily that recent but yeah i think no. i think they've just re- revamped the original lineup haven't they yeah. to yeah, I, yeah, I've not, I've not tried one. Be interesting to try it. Um, mm. See how it takes pedals. Yeah, um, I could be tempted into something lighter than than my Blues Deluxe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd quite like to try try one of those. Um, yeah. Next on my list uh, is it's another guitar which I I hadn't really coveted until I saw a guy playing this. Uh, do you remember I, uh, I mentioned a few months back I did this work uh, event and they'd hired. Um, 
a band in to do it and I got up and played with the band and did I tell you about that? Yes, you did. Yeah, they were like a, 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 a karaoke, rocky, rocky That's it, rocky okey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Phenomenal band. Phenomenal bunch of musicians. Yeah. And the guitarist was playing this Yamaha Revstar, okay. um, which I'd never really kind of coveted, but the sound of it was just incredible and really? he had P90, P90s in his one. Mm. And it looked cool in person as well. And the more I've read up about these, and I'm a huge Yamaha fan yeah, of stuff that they do too. in the AV AV world. I love all their kind of um, uh, hi-fi gear, and I've, I've been a big fan of it. You know, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Not so much. Oh, the Pacifica you love, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I Yamaha love the Pacifica. Pacifica. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but the Revstar, this is like a next level up thing, mm. right? From from like the Pacifica. They've got, and they've just released like a brand new uh, range uh, just now. So the original oh, really? Revstar came out in 2015 right that's an old guitar now right but 20 20 2022 they've just released um in the last couple of months the mark ii versions of the wow, yamaha okay. revstar and if you at the top of the price point the most expensive and it's really beautifully specced yeah uh and it and coming in at around 1500 pounds so not stupid stupid money mm-hmm. and that's a japanese built revstar oh so wow okay we've already, yeah so we're back to uh <laughs> we're back to where we started at the beginning of this episode <laughs> yeah. so uh, uh. The, so um, uh, there's the Japanese Revstar there. And then the other um, price point versions are made in Indonesia, where we're also loving guitars being made from at the moment, right? Mm. They've got all new electronic options. The, 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 there's a bewildering choice of colours, switching options, pickup configurations um, available now through yeah. the Mark II version. There's so many different types, all with these little different characteristics, finish options, personality type things going on, which I quite love that, that plethora. Yeah. Um, my money is on the RSSO2T, which is basically the mid-range one yeah. of the three price points. So Indonesian made, 650 bucks. Uh, and it's got like, for that, you're still getting really good yeah. hardware, etc., proper steel frets and everything. Um, and it's the one with the P90s in it, which I, I need a guitar with P90s <laughs> in it. They've got. I'm just looking now online at some of them. Might be the one. I really like the uh, the expensive ones. <laughs> they look fantastic. Mm. There's one the uh, the RSP20X, which is yeah, sixteen hundred yeah. quid and guitar guitar. Where I happen to just be looking, but other retailers are available. And uh, they do one <laughs> called Rusty Brass Charcoal, which is a fantastic nice. color now. But it's this beautiful. It's almost like a gold looking pit guard, which is obviously the rusty brass mm. and then charcoal pen with like two like speed stripes down the middle of it you know, they're oh, such a yeah, great yeah. design actually yeah. beautiful guitars credit to Yamaha yeah. for doing something that not many people are good at recently which is coming up with a new guitar design and having yes. real success with it over the last few years it looks nice doesn't it it's it looks beautiful. balanced it, it looks in proportion yeah. it's not a Strat it's not a Les Paul no. I wonder if these could be like a Les Paul killer you know because yeah. they've got a, they've got a lot of the DNA of it mm. um, you know but some nice price points and stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much, so much on the guitar market Beautiful. to choose from now. But uh, but I really want to try one of these. Um, and I think when you've got um, Chris Buck yeah. playing them around all over the place, then you're gonna. That's true. You know, people That's are true. gonna have their eye on them, aren't they? Especially. That's true. I mean, he That's could make. True. To be fair, he could make a coat hanger sound pretty good, but you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> string up a, string up a wire caught hanger for him and let him go and gig. I'm yeah. sure he's still, still yeah, sound still amazing. weak just listening to him play it. Yeah, I know. Well, his main guitar is like a Highway 1 Strat, yeah. wasn't it? Which are incredible strats anyway. Yeah. But, you know, just goes to show you don't need to spend stupid money. Um, so, yeah, I'd like, to try, I'd like to try one of those. I've got one more thing on my list, yeah. but you, you go you go next. Oh, so yeah, you, the last, the last thing on my list. And I think this is totally predictable. And it, part of it is because I love modelling equipment, obviously. So over the last year, yeah. I've really <clears> gone into that. But also <clears> extremely <throat> jealous of Mr. Rob Skinner's most recent purchase, and that's the Neural DSP Quad Cortex. I'd really love to. Yeah. Because that is like a, other than fractal, that's, you know, that's up there with fractal yeah. in like, you know, that's the next yeah. level up from line six in terms of audio quality and, and uh, you yeah. know, and, and, and everything. And I'd, I'd just really love to just get one of those out of the box and plug it in and just play with some presets and, and really listen to, you know, the sounds from that thing. Um, it seems to be the modeler of choice for a lot of people out there that use modelers to help them get tones recreated in difficult situations. Maybe they're flying in, you know, mm. people like Rebea, who we spoke mm. about before, and mm-hmm. Pete Thorne uses one for a lot of his yep. sounds when he's going around. And, you know, yep. so a lot of these people that are renowned for really cultivating their tone very well, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. tend to go for the either the fractal or the quad cortex for those live situations. Mm. So I'd mm. really love to just experience that. But that's it for me. Those three things I'd really love to to, to play and listen to. But what's nice. your last thing? Nice. Last thing on my um, list is something that um, I've been trying to try for a while, but there've been stocking issues for it. Again, it's another budget, another budget thing here, only because I quite like seeing how far you can push the envelope within the realms of, of budget. But um, jet guitars, I think we've mentioned jet guitars in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think they originally launched in 2020. Uh, Chinese made, but with the quality control at the highest level from a, from a, a kind of, um, uh, from Jet themselves. So yeah. they're licensed out to manufacture in China, but they've got property, proper like in-house quality control from, from, from Jet guitars themselves, who was set up by, uh, Primez, uh, Virant, who's a luthier anyway. So it's got, there's like this pedigree kind of company looking after the, the Chinese manufacturer of it. I guess in a similar way to like PRS does with their Indonesian stuff. And yeah. PRS still quality control and check it but the main thing is like these guys the ethos of this company kind of like the guitar smarts podcast really is they want to see how far they can push premium level specs on a budget Ah, instrument okay right so all their guitars come with roasted maple necks ebony or rosewood boards bone nut mm-hmm. proper you know um hand wound pickups like the spec list when you read through it you go okay this is some serious kind of like mm. appointments on, on on this guitar um i mean they are there's nothing particularly innovative mm. about what they're doing they're basically making strat les paul and telecopies yeah for, for all intents and purposes right but um like the most expensive high-end guitar that they do is 500 pounds Right. Wow, that's that's the top end. They start at one hundred and fifty nine pounds. <clears throat> wow, for for roasted maple necks, bone nuts, <laughs> hand wound pickups, that's all these kind of astounding. appointments where you just go, that's crazy. So my 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 interpretation is is like on the one hundred and fifty nine pound instrument, like the JS four hundred. If anyone listens to model numbers, like a mm. Strat 
copy, mm. right? I reckon it's going to have all these wonderful little, you know, appointments and components on it. And I think maybe the finish is going to be a little bit, um, it need, it's going to need a decent setup, yeah, right? Yeah. Like any budget instrument would. I think it will be set up to a, to a decent playable yeah. point. But I, I, I reckon that with a bit of tweaking, mm. you know, with those level of components or a few little mods, you could get a really, really cool guitar for, for, for not a lot of money. So yeah. I'd like, I'd like to, I'm just intrigued, right? Because it, it's getting, again, going back to the boutique pedal conversation we had and the different price points, it's getting to the point of ridiculous now where you're getting like, albeit Chinese made, but quality controlled to a very high level. Mm-hmm. Apparently you're getting guitars for 150 quid with ridiculous levels of components on it that you would only ever be able to normally get on a guitar costing three, four, five times the price. Mm. So if for no other reason I want to, I'm intrigued to try it out and just see, you know, how good can you push that premium level specs on a budget instrument? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd love to do the same thing because it's almost like, it's like the, it's like you, like you might do, if you buy a budget guitar yourself, you might then go and do a certain amount of modifications to improve it. It's like they're exactly. doing all those modifications for you <laughs> um, yeah. and saying, here you go, here's a premium guitar, but it's been, yeah. you know, graded. And, and I, yeah. we've said this before, a lot of, I think a lot of the time, the only real difference between like a, maybe a 1500 pound guitar and a 500 pound guitar is time spent in the hands of someone to really yeah. set it up and get it playing smoothly. Um, For sure. Actual components and where the woods come from and the quality of all those components and things, there's probably not much difference in, you know, guitars that are a thousand pounds apart. It's just not when you're talking you know, like a bolt-on, bolt-on design, yeah. like kit guitar. Like, I mean, I've never really understood how you can have a Fender Squire Strat at 200 quid versus a Fender Custom Shop mm. <clears throat> Strat for like, you know, five grand. Yeah. Because yes, there's differences in the quality of the tone words and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it, you know, it's more over how it's been put together and fitted and finished. And it feels how it balances details. in your hand. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like even just things like, mm. you know, really rounding off the frets pro- properly and, yeah. you know, that rolled off edges on the fingerboard. You know, what, one of the reasons yeah. why Sire guitars, actually Sire guitars is another thing I'd love to mm. try. One of the, the reasons a lot of people those. talk about yeah. them a lot is just because the effort they put into making the neck feel good in your hand mm. and the fretboard mm. feel good. Uh, it just plays into how, um, you know, um, premium guitar it feels for the money you know just that one Mm. detail that Mm. they do really well roasted neck you know with rolled fingerboard edges and the frets are always well looked after that one thing you can almost say to any guitar manufacturer do you know what if there's there's one thing you do to make your guitar more sellable just do that just Mm -hmm. make the the Mm -hmm. the experience for the fretting hand as good as possible and everything else can be adjusted by the player to see fit that's it yeah Mm. yeah absolutely sorry my friend guitar safari away us. Our safari does await us. Let's get that in the diary, man. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And then um, I think we've said we're going to go out to the um, the guitar show later on this year, right? In October yeah. time? Late October, we've I think got, it is. Um, yeah, field day out to the be know, good. Kempton Park race course guitar show. Yeah, it's a good one. I quite like it. I've been a couple of times. So, um, yeah. yeah, it'd be good to, to go down there, do some recording, do some interviews and... Um, have a look at some of the weird and wonderful things that are that are on sale. So I'm looking forward to that as well. That'd be great. Fantastic, cool, dude. Well, look, have a cracking week. I'll speak to you next week for yeah. another uh, yeah. conversation about mostly guitars, but also potentially other things like lawns. 
Peter Lawns, oh, car cleaning, Japanese cost culture. of energy prices. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got um, this landed on my doorstep this morning, so I'll, I'll oh, tell you about that during the week. Okay. Latest issue of Guitarist magazine, and this one, going back to our conversation earlier, the, the whole feature article in this is the greatest pedals of all time. Mm. So clearly Guitarist magazine doesn't think that boutique pedals are dead. So no, they don't, do I'll they? Have a, I'll have a read of that and see. Well, it's, it's Mick and Dan they've gone to. So, of course, of course uh, it is. Mick, Mick and Dan definitely don't think guitar uh, pedals are dead. Oh, well, you know, their entire income's predicated <laughs> upon that. <laughs> oh, mate. Have a good, have a good week. Yeah, mate. you too, mate. Um, you have a cracking week as well, and I'll see you on the flip side. See you soon, buddy. All the best, mate. Take care, mate. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Great conversation again. If you like what you hear, then remember there are 61 other episodes going back almost two years that you can check out. Go and enjoy them. And anyway, best wishes. See you next time on the Guitar Smarts Podcast. Guitar Smarts.